Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. You know, it's an interesting thing when something, some big event comes up and you've already set your preaching schedule. And somehow, some way, well, I do actually know, the scripture selected still speaks to that event. And I certainly didn't have a mass school shooting in mind when selecting the scripture. But maybe God knew it would fit the circumstances no matter what the tragedy, because that's what's so hard, isn't it? We seem to have this sort of tragedy over and over. When I opened the church for prayer this Wednesday night, we were praying actually over three acts of violence that happened in 10 days. Not a single one of them has a rational explanation. Not a single person attacked or targeted had done anything at all to the people attacking them. They didn't even know them. Yet they were trying and in some cases succeeding in ending their lives. It really makes no sense. We're not in a civil war, yet I believe that as a nation we are fighting for our soul. I think about Memorial Day and taking the time to remember those who died in service to this country to give us the freedoms we enjoy, one of those being the right to bear arms. And I wonder what they would think about how we're using those freedoms. Did they envision a nation where we would use those weapons to shoot one another and kill innocent children? I don't think so. But I really don't know because they're gone. They gave their lives to protect our freedoms and give us freedom. So what are we doing to honor that sacrifice? How are we using our freedom? But we know we're followers of Jesus Christ, not just citizens of the United States of America. And first and foremost, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, which goes beyond geographic barriers drawn between nations. Yes, we pledge allegiance to America, but our highest allegiance belongs to Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. And not just Americans, but for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever lives and believes in him will never die but have eternal life. So how do we, as primarily people of God, respond to these horrific crimes? As our government leaders argue over gun rights and laws to protect the vulnerable, followers of Jesus Christ should take a step back and ask, what does God think about it? Now I'm going to try to speak to that today, or at least get us started thinking about it, so we can pray and study to discover the deeper answer for ourselves with the goal of finally doing something about it. And so I'm going to start with these three questions. What is freedom to God? What is our response to that freedom? And what is our responsibility to perpetuate that freedom? This is what we're going to look at this morning as we look at a possessed girl, two apostles jailed for false charges, and a jailer who finds life as he tries to end his own life. So let's begin by looking at the different types of prisons and freedoms we see in this passage. The most obvious one is the physical prison that Paul and Silas find themselves in after being falsely charged. They are not alone in that prison as the other prisoners were listening to them while they were singing 
songs of praise to God. And many of those prisoners probably deserve to be there. Not everyone who finds themselves in a physical jail is falsely accused. At midnight, when the earthquake hit, every door burst open. All the prisoners, innocent and guilty, were freed. We don't really know what happens to the other prisoners after this, but they were still in the jail when Paulus, until Paulus and Silas leave with the jailer. And for that moment anyway, an act of God has set them free. They have physical freedom. And then we can talk about spiritual freedom, right? We just love this story about the jailer, right? The man who is paid to be cruel and to lock people up. We see this in the stocks he orders for Paul and Silas's feet. They were torturous for any human being. Yet when this same man begins to take his life, when he believes that all prisoners have escaped, knowing he would be put to death for shirking his duty, Paul reaches out to him in the way that the slave girl prophesies to proclaim the way of salvation. In that moment when he realizes the grace that has been given to him as that all the prisoners are accounted for, he receives that grace and puts his faith in Jesus Christ. He has been saved. He has been set free from his sin and now has new life in Christ, spiritual freedom. And his heart was changed to be gracious and loving, giving prisoners food at his own table and sharing this hope with his entire family. It's a beautiful story of salvation. The beginning of this story, though, is often seen as kind of like a sideline. A precursor to the amazing acts of freedom and salvation that happen as a result of this slave girl and her owners. Yet here is where I want to take a deeper look. Because what happens to this young girl can help us see the kind of freedom people truly need. And it will give us a clue on how to move forward in healing our nation from all this violence. And how to begin to prevent this kind of thing from happening each and every day. I think the saddest part of the story is that we often read right on past this young girl and we don't really even see her. And truth be told, that's what Paul does too, right? That's what everyone is doing. Seeing her not as a human being, but as a prop in someone else's story. And I'll admit, I really didn't take too much notice of her either until I was reading it for this message. And I've read this passage many times before. She has no name. She's only identified as a slave girl with the gift of prophecy. And we read that it's because she has a spirit of divination. Now, for a little background, that spirit is literally translated the spirit of the python. This spirit was supposed to be the same spirit that Apollo gave to the oracle of Delphi, who foretold the future for the kings of the earth, who would travel from everywhere to get what she would say. So this meant that this young girl was truly a valuable asset to her owners. She had status in the community and people sought her out for her abilities. Yet she was a slave to them. They didn't care about her as a human being. They only cared about the money she could make. And then when she sees Paul and Silas, she is attracted to them. She speaks about who they are and what they can do for all people, proclaim a way of salvation. And no one sees that except her. And it's rather ironic, don't you think, that she's attracted to the very people who have the power to set her free. And what do they do? 
Well, I'm sure you're going to say, well, he freed her from that evil spirit, so Paul really did set her free. And in that sense, I guess that would be true. But I want to propose that Paul was even more cruel to this girl than those owners could ever be. We don't expect that from Paul, the super apostle who over and over in his letters proclaims the love of God, the freedom we have in Christ, and that this grace in which we stand is for all people everywhere. Yet what does he do for this girl? He ignores her, tries to act like she's not even there. And then only when he gets annoyed with her proclaiming the absolute truth. He doesn't even speak to her as if she were a real human being. He speaks to the spirit and sends it out of her. So she will shut up, stop annoying him. He shows no concern for her at all. And then he leaves her like that without any way to make money. Leaves her as a slave to her owners and doesn't even care what happens to her after that. Now, if she can't earn them money any other way, how do you think she will have to earn that money now that she can't tell the future? I'll bet you can guess. We call it human trafficking today. We celebrate what happens to the prisoners that have been set free by God's amazing miracle and to this jailer who now has eternal life through the grace of God that is available to all. But what happens to this young girl is atrocious and inhumane. Paul, the one who has set so many prisoners of sin free, walks past her and dismisses her as if her life doesn't matter. Her salvation isn't necessary. And here's where I think we can find the answers to what is happening in our world today. It's been building for a long time. And maybe it was just time. Maybe the pandemic triggered it. I don't know. But when I look at this world, this nation, and these people who commit these terrible acts of violence, I see so many people that for their entire lives have been overlooked, seen as disposable, dispensable, and not worthy of salvation. As people of God, people who have been set free by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the command to love one another, the commission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God loves the world, each and every human being, and wants to set them free. Our freedom in Christ should trigger us to share this good news with everyone, yet we often walk on by those in need of real love, those who need to know they have value, to know they are not alone in this world. And as we fail to engage our children with our faith, fail to give them the tools they need to overcome the challenges and the fears and the doubts that they will all eventually face, fail to love our neighbors in such a way that they know they are loved by God, then we are just as bad as Paul is to this slave girl. How many people in our church, in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces, people we see every day are struggling with those demons in their lives and we just turn a blind eye and walk away? This young man who walked into a school and shot those children was once a third grader himself. What happened to him in between? 
Stories of being bullied, of violent postings, and kids in his school actually calling him school shooter. Did anyone at all see his hurt, his pain, the prison that was slowly being built brick by brick, shame by shame, name by name? People interacted with him every day, maybe even good Christian people. But instead of reaching out, engaging that weird and scary kid, they just walked on by, ignored him, and left him in his chains. Now, as the very human Julie Lewis, citizen of this nation, I do believe we should have what are called common sense gun laws. Why doesn't everyone get a background check to buy a gun? Why don't people who buy a deadly weapon have to learn how to use it first? Why do ordinary citizens need weapons of mass destruction, clearly not indicated for hunting or self-protection in their home? I think that makes sense. But because I am a citizen in the kingdom of God, my rights or what I believe to be my rights as a citizen of America are secondary to the welfare of the whole. So I don't really think about my rights the way others seem to in our country. There are actions we can and should take, including getting our leaders to stop fighting and actually lead us through this crisis. But my heart, the one that loves my Jesus, knows that we, as the citizens of the kingdom of God, have failed our brothers and sisters because we have essentially ignored them and left them in their chains. We sing about being free, but we do little to free others if we remain silent on how to have the love and hope, the freedom we have found in Christ. We have missions and ministries, and that does help some people come to Christ to the freedom he offers, but there are many we leave by the roadside. We may hand out an invitation to a church event, give food and clothes away, but do we engage people, build relationships with them? See, the whole world shakes their head at times like this and says, I wonder what the signs were. What did we miss? How did they get to this place of hatred and violence? As the people who talk about the freedom we are given in Jesus Christ, we do know the answer to that, don't we? They don't have the love of Christ within them. But who has seen them? Who has offered Christ to them? Who has told them they are loved, fought off the bullies for them, taken the time to listen to their doubts and fears? Let them share their pain because we know this kind of demon comes from pain that goes deep. So what do we do? How do we change the script and begin to share the love of Christ in such a way that we won't have people in our world who want nothing else than to kill and destroy? Yes, I believe controlling access to guns is something that may help. Yes, I believe access to better mental health treatment is paramount. I do. But I have yet to see any single law that has changed a human heart. More than anything, this world needs to know Jesus. This world needs Christians who stand up for their faith, who love in extravagant and risky ways. And that means keeping an eye on our schools and our young people and giving them what they need to combat bullying, identifying troubled youth and keeping our classrooms safe. That takes time. That takes being a volunteer. That takes giving money. It takes supporting our administrators and holding our leaders accountable on every level. It means working for change in our laws, in our government's response to the issues that keep perpetuating these events and being advocates for the victims. 
This means actively reporting anything suspicious and just not ignoring violent posts or behaviors. This means standing firm in our faith, building that foundation in ourselves so that others will see it and we will be able to respond to all these tragic events in a manner that will bring comfort to those in need. But more importantly, so that all will know the love of God, the freedom faith in Christ gives us, And so they will want nothing more on this earth than to make sure every human being experiences that same freedom no matter what it takes. So where do we start? Well, we start right here. Engaging our youth in our faith so they will come to know Jesus for themselves, but they will see it in us. How many young people are affiliated with Asbury? Do you know? In the Pray Asbury Day, when we read 606 names that call Asbury their church home, how many were young people under the age of 18? Can you name five? Would you know who they were if you met them in the grocery store? If not, why don't you? If we see a young person, do we walk on by them without saying a word, or do we say, hey, I'm glad you're here, my name is... Let me pray for you. Our young people, our children, our youth are dealing with huge challenges. What are we doing to help? They need us. People of God to walk with them, help them grow into faithful adults. How many incidents of destruction like we've seen could have been averted if we had just showed the love of God to our youth? Who are the young people in our community who need a mentor, a friend, someone who will listen, but if nothing else, will just see them, really see them? Will we see the people we encounter, old and young alike, as people worthy of salvation? Can we love them into the kingdom, show them the love of Christ instead of leaving them in their chains? Jesus is the light of the world, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. And the light of the world is love itself, love, pure love. Love God, love your neighbor, and share that love with the prisoners who have yet to be set free. Don't ignore them. Don't walk away. Stand up for love. Be an agent of freedom. And break every chain in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now by the door, there is a sheet. You know, it says, see something, say something. And they say that all the time. And I was like, well, what do I do if I see something? Who do I report it to? Does anybody here know? I called the police department. They didn't know either. So they, we worked together and we found the resources that we needed. So I printed up a sheet. So if you see something, say something. Here's the numbers you call. Here's who you report it to. Pick up one on your way out the door. Maybe one of us will be the one to, pre- to prevent the next mass shooting. But let us pray. Holy God, we know that there are always more questions than answers. Always more work to do. Always a battle going on between the heart of love and the evil that's in the world. Help us to stand up for love. 
Help us to see all people as worthy of salvation, as worthy to engage, to listen to, and to love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.